Hi, I'm Britton LaRue, and this is Moon to Moon. Moon to Moon is a space to consider, celebrate, and share the ways we come home to ourselves, anchor through change, and uncover our power. One month, one phase, one loving step at a time. Dear Moon to Moon listener, it's Britain, and I'm coming to you with maybe my sixth attempt to record this introduction. <laughs> I'm struggling with this one, I think because it's pretty hot for me. Um, Molly's story has so many overlaps with mine. This is how she will tell you she was drawn to me. And I think I'm fluctuating between like wanting to be a sage, wise uh, teacher on like getting above the topic at hand to look down on it with another part of me that's like fuck it (laughs) like yeah that's like that was my life like I am in that like this is just what I roll in I don't know (laughs) and in this attempt at an introduction I'm just gonna let myself hang out a little bit more I'm even letting my body kind of be in a relaxed curve letting myself feel sunken so I can be inside what feels like an authentic truth presence with you so Molly Blue Wilder I tell we tell about how we met in the conversation so I don't want to get into it too much but Um, suffice to say we were in the same space introducing ourselves and both of us really lit up with like whoa that person resonates with me in the energy healing world there's this term matching pictures which is I find really helpful so I'll just tell you about it So matching pictures is when someone's saying something and there's kind of a a zing, there's a glow, there's a waves in the field for you because something about them is lighting up a picture, a memory, a frequency you've known, you may not have any idea what it is. You don't need to know what it is. Something in another person 
is lighting up something that matches. Those called matching pictures. They don't have to be exact at all. There's a, it's like a, it's a frequency. It's a vibe. And it's helpful to have this in the language of energy healing and like energy scrappiness, energy wisdom world. Because if somebody's lighting something up in you that's a matching picture, then it is going to affect how you're sitting opposite them. So if you're the quote-unquote space holder, maybe the one that's getting paid, it's uh, helpful to have awareness of how this happens so that you can, what we say, clear, clear out your matching pictures to help you just be with them, right? Because if like they're telling a story about their terrible breakup and you're having this whole experience of now remembering your horrible breakup, it's harder to be present as the space holder because like you're in something that's thrown you into the past or your body's having a reaction to this trigger of the memory. And so the matching picture can, um, it's not a bad thing. It's a human thing. It happens all the time. But it, um, it's nice to have awareness like, oh, I have matching pictures here with this person and I'm just naming it because it is going to in some way infuse how I respond to this person and, and growing skill and clearing them is beautiful, but it's also not like you have to clear them. I think for me, it's about knowing that it's present. So that was a little aside with a little bit on matching pictures. So Molly and I have matching pictures. And uh, let me read your, let me read her bio to you, uh, which is full of matching pictures for me. Okay. Molly Boo Wilder's bio written in the first person. 28 years and seven kids into marriage, the family-centered life I meticulously crafted fell apart at the seams. Even though it was high time, the upheaval of divorce exposed my deepest attachment wounds. Disoriented, overwhelmed, reeling with grief, uncertainty, and fear, I gradually learned to hold on to myself in each moment as it unfolded. Rather than getting sucked into the painful vortex of the past or the anxiety of an unknown future. Applying the salve of practical skills, somatic awareness, and powerful shifts in thinking, I lovingly attended to my healing process, allowing innate power and intuition to deeply root the growth of my new family structure and relationships. Today, as a somatic and trauma-informed life coach, I'm a bridge of resources and support for those on a similar hero's journey facing the deepest wounds for the sake of wild self-reclamation, freedom, and powerful life creation. Thank you, Molly. I absolutely love your bio. So, listeners, if you're new to me, uh, I... I... Um, 
separated from my ex-husband after 17 year of marriage, 17 years and two children. <laughs> so not nearly the investment of children and years as Molly, but nonetheless significant a significant chunk of my life with someone I met when I was 22 years old, like months out of college. And um What unfolded for me since naming naming that it needed to end as it was, updating the contract. It is an update because we are still very much in each other's lives as co-parents and talk every single day, text every day. Naming the desired end of that contract and then living through everything on the other side of that naming has utterly shifted everything. Everything. There's nothing unchanged. It's the most reverberating death I've known since my father's death when I was 16, which changed literally everything. And uh, it is a fucking initiation. It is possibly the most all-encompassing initiation anyone can move through. A divorce. The entanglement of a marriage is quite complete. So to split the contract, to update that contract is, it's so big why of course so many people want it and don't (laughs) it's like whoa (laughs) if you even if I even knew would I still have done it oh yeah oh yeah but it is through to the bones it is through every cell It is through every relationship. It is through everything in one's presence and being self that we are transformed through that initiation. And I don't talk about it directly a lot because I'm very much in relationship with my ex-husband it's loving it's beautiful I'm so fucking proud of it like people cannot believe us because we've decided to create what we think it looks like and not what society told us it has to look like and 
a lot of that's private, you know? So to tap up close to talking about it, I can tell is, mm, I want to do it in a way that feels like good judgment. And with deep respect. So divorce is an initiation. And when I met Molly and she told her story and said, so I'm a, I'm a life coach. I, I trained in divorce recovery. It was like, what? That is so cool. I didn't even know that existed. You know who my divorce recovery coach was? Uh, Astrology. (laughs) The moon. (laughs) My tarot deck. My altar. These are my divorce recovery coaches. It's so wonderful that this exists. I'm so happy that people like Molly are out there doing it. And I really think I probably am too, just not so overtly. Hmm. So, yeah, we could do a whole course on divorce as initiation, a whole divorce recovery class like maybe Molly and I have this in the cards in our future uh, because it's a complete and utter reprogramming and rewiring and it just keeps going like shit that was five years ago that we separated and I just keep dropping into new levels of discovering who I am And also discovering new ways in which I hold trauma related to how I attach to other people and learning about how to be in relationships um, released from the ways of being in which I previously contracted. Because we are humans who relate. We are relational this is all very Libran. Whenever you're listening to this, from my perspective, I'm sitting here right after the new moon in Libra, in Libra season 2022. And this conversation with Molly is just so Libran. Like this is autumn wisdom that we're slinging around that Molly's just handing over in a beautiful terrain for us. Because what a Libra initiates with this like wisdom of fair contracts, wisdom of secure relating, wisdom of holding individuation with intimacy on scales, constant, constant disequilibrium back to equilibrium it's a constant flow it's a constant flux this business of the scales that is libra that is contracts 
contracts with people, the space between the contract. What comes up for us opposite someone else? Where are the matching pictures? Where in my body do I feel triggered? <laughs> Is Am I speaking from the past or am I speaking from the present? What's going on inside of me right now? What is it like for me to be afraid right now? Um, this business of Libra wisdom initiates what becomes the rest of it. Scorpio and Sagittarius. Moving through what we see in the Northern Hemisphere as the death process. Which is of course the life process. Because initiations signal beginnings, right? That's what the word initiate begins. But all initiations are deaths. Every one of them. Divorce is an initiation because it is both a death and a rebirth. And it's not momentary. It's cycles. It has layers. It has its own seasonalities. It has its own closures where we're like, I think I'm complete with that healing, or I think I'm complete with this learning. I think I'm complete with realizing this now. And then we just like drop into the next layer. Oh, here, disequilibrium again. This is the nature of Libra, not balance, but holding ourselves through imbalance, not equilibrium, but how we hold ourselves through disequilibrium. Hmm. <sighs> Such a beautiful conversation. So I want to tell you some of the highlights as well as talk to you about uh, Molly's chart for my astrology lover listeners who like knowing about the charts of the person that I'm interviewing. So one of my favorite conversational points um, that came up on Molly's volition was her Pluto-Sun conjunction. So at the, <laughs> at the beginning of the conversation, Molly had noted that like there was something about me that was really attractive because I play in the realm of the off-limits. And then later she brings up, listen for this, like, do you remember in your reading for me, you talking about Pluto and the sun? And we talked about it, and I was um, riffing on what I probably said to her with that placement. And by the way, I don't usually talk about Pluto in readings with people because it's such tender, tense material. But be given that I met Molly in a trauma-informed space and a space for people who are actively healing trauma in their lives and releasing trauma, I knew that she would want to talk about Pluto. And with, she's a Leo rising. So that means the sun is her chart ruler because the sun rules Leo. And her sun is with Pluto. So thus to me, the invitation of embodiment in her chart has very much to do with her relationship to Pluto, helping her access light. And that means, might mean, a journey around 
getting closer to that which feels off limits, getting closer to the part of you that feels bad, getting closer to the part of you that you're ashamed of, learning to sit with and love and listen to the parts of yourself that you've kept secret or felt like you had to hide. Because it is the nature of the Plutonian to hide because of fear and shame. But it's a part of the journey then to get to tap into that slowly and bring it forward so that we come into transparency, which brings in the lightness and the power. So we have a beautiful conversation on that um, to listen for, um, where we also riff on like breaking up with a good girl archetype, which we both have matching pictures around. We have this super fun conversation around how wild it is that we have this cultural fixation on the idea of mothers being selfless and like selflessness being a good thing. How in the world did we get into this state? Well, I can start to answer that question, but I'm not going to. What I'm just going to say is, yes, part of the balance that we restore in our good Libra is holding the self in high regard opposite the regard we have for other people and selflessness just being actually horrible for our contracts. So Molly has a Libra moon with Venus in Libra conjunct her moon. And as many of you know, Venus is the ruler of Libra. So a very strong Venus, a Venus ruled moon that really Finding safety in attachment, finding pleasure in secure attachment that supports her own individuation and differentiation, as she talks about, would be like such an is such an empowerful, powerful invitation in her chart, and she is fucking living it. We have really great conversation around healing shame for our younger selves who we used to think was like a terrible decision maker and couldn't take care of herself. This is a huge matching picture for me. And that our own shame for that younger self being baked into the marriage bond and how now to love and listen to and be astounded by the wisdom of that younger self that we used to judge and feel ashamed of so rich, so beautiful, loving it. That is like Pluto sun healing right there. And we also talked a lot about um, her north node. Her nodal axis is first house, seventh house with north node in the seventh house. And if you're new to astrology, just let this roll over. Just let what sticks stick and don't worry about the rest. But I have the same nodal axis. I have a north node in my seventh house as well. Right at my descendant, actually. Learning how to cultivate safety opposite another. Learning to be in secure attachment is like part of what I'm here to do. And it's part of what Molly's here to do. And she's also fucking living it. (laughs) Well, we has a grand trine in air. Grand trines are not common. Um, that's when you have a placement in all signs of an element. And so she has placements in all signs of air. 
and you really feel that air giftedness, the treasures. She's just like handing over treasures from the air realm of relating, of speaking, of word making, of how to put words on experience in ways that resonate to the receiver of those words. So gifted, Molly. It's such a pleasure to receive. Yeah, those are some of my favorite parts about the conversation as they relate to her placements. And yeah, this is a very meaningful conversation to me. I'm so grateful for Molly's wisdom, Molly's time, Molly's sharing of herself and her own story. Let me know how this resonates with you, listener. If something's coming through, if you want to share with me, I'd love to hear with I'd love to hear from you. And I will see you on the other side of this beautiful conversation with Molly Blue Wilder. Cheers. Welcome to Moon to Moon, Molly. Mm, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And happy birthday. Your birthday was yesterday. Yes. 51 years old. (laughs) Pretty excited about that. I own it. (laughs) Love all of it. Late degree Virgo. Um, So that's so beautiful. Um, Well, thank you for coming on Moon to Moon. I met you probably in March. I think it was March of 2022. We're now in September. And um, immediately was struck by you. We were in Luis Mojica's, who is Holistic Life Navigation's, very small, intimate group um, to Luis was calling in practitioners who work with folks who, where trauma comes up, trauma, trauma responses are in the space. People can get activated. And the way the course was, or, or the way the meetup group was defined felt to me like how to help yourself regulate as a space holder, when you're helping people work through things in the realm of trauma which um, come, came up for us and for others in the group. And I just was immediately struck by your story and the overlaps that we have in our story. And then we continue to engage with one another across time. And I always find talking to you so refreshingly um, grounded in honesty. Uh, I find you to be so wise. I find you to be so open and available to sharing yourself and the wisdom that moves through your many life experiences. And really, those are my favorite people. (laughs) Mm. So yeah, as 
and Libra especially has been approaching and you have a Libra moon and you have Venus and Libra um, and you do what I would think um, is Libra and work is working with um, well I'll let you talk about that in a second mm-hmm. but I just was like I must have Molly come on moon to moon I was so happy when you said yes uh, well I totally geeked out when I got your invitation because (laughs) literally the day before you were in promotion mode for um, a program that you're offering this year. And I had been reading all of your emails. I love your voice and I love how you write. And so I, I read everything you write and I had gotten this email and I literally it's such a funny way to describe it, but I felt like her words make me salivate. Like <laughs> I literally, like there's just, there's something that drips, um, that is just, I'm so thirsty for it. I'm hungry for it. And those are just, it, it's such a, um, those are funny words that I've never used before around the way, um, the way you speak. I, I've never talked about like, something, somebody like that before. And so I thought it was so funny that I was having these thoughts around this email I got from you. And so I was having dinner that night with my husband and I told him, I said, isn't that the weirdest, funniest thing? I'm like, I just love her and how she writes. And literally the next morning I got the email invitation from you. And I was like, oh, (laughs) it's too fun. We're like talking in this collective field together. Yes. Yes. I have to admit, I, I cast the spell on you, Molly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Do, keep going, I had said to my collaborator, uh, Jonathan, who I teach this, this container with astrology as praxis. I said, I would like, I want, I'm calling in salivating. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. (laughs) Oh my word. Well, I just, your powers work. I would be in that container had I not, I literally wrestled with it so hard and I'm in a couple other containers. And I was like, I just knew like I, I I just knew capacity wise, but um, I'm so with you and I can't wait to be in a container with you because yeah. (laughs) It's just meant to be, it's written in the stars. Yes, it is. <laughs> I think it's kind of an interesting jumping off point, you know, to even think about what is the resonance there that mm. um, that is uh, creating a reaction in you or that does make you want to get to the bottom, right? We all receive so mm. many emails and see so many posts. Like, so to actually complete the paragraphs or like the words in someone's post or email really suggest high resonance. And I'm wondering mm-hmm. like if you, what you feel that is in terms of your life stories, like that you're feeling mm-hmm. come through with mine. Yes. I love that conversation. Okay. So I had, I have a lot of lived lineage. I'm going to call it lived lineage because it's my life story in the worldview of pretty fundamental Christianity. So 
you definitely embody something that's off limits on some kind of um, like based on past programming, if you want to mm-hmm. think of it that way. And yet it's so like beguiling to me that I know that there's something there for me. It's just not a realm I ever allowed myself to explore. So like, I literally knew nothing about like my chart or astrology or the tarot. Like, in fact, a couple years ago, it's maybe three years now, a friend of mine invited me over to do tarot and I had to do like a couple therapy sessions around it. I literally felt like it was so taboo and so off limits So to me, like, that's what it says to me is that there's something there for me that has never been allowed. And Mm. now there's like an opening. And so then it's like a clue or a breadcrumb, like this is for you. Yeah. But it's so surprising. It's so, yeah, it's, it is beguiling. It does feel like a spell. Like, I love that you said that, but, (laughs) but I have, you know, I'm just learning, like all you ever have to do is trust what's calling you now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, because I think again, in the big picture, like I used to get so lost on like, wait, like how, and what would this look like? And you can't imagine it. It's so frightening. But if I just go, what's calling to me now, I've learned if I just trust what's the next thing for me and, and what's one thing I'm really thinking about lately is feeding the roots of the thing. And for me, I'm talking about me, like, how do I just feed the roots? And then that is the nourishment and the nutrient that is needed. And then the life growing takes care of itself. So Mm. organic and natural. So that's what it feels like to me. It feels like my roots are hungry for that in some way, for what you offer, the medicine you offer, the lens or the perspective or things like that. And so that's my take. Mm. Yeah. So it's like learning to trust that, that zinginess of the taboo is actually an invitation to follow. Yeah. And I would say I still have a pretty strong, like anything that is true. Like, like I don't have a longing for taboo, taboo for taboo's sake. Sure. Mm -hmm. None of it feels like that. Cause I know that that can be a thing and that's great for some people. Like I don't have any judgment over that, but for me, it feels like I just never considered it before. And now the timing is right. And there is the provision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell me about then the arc in your, in your timeline, in your story, whereby you began to learn to trust in provisioning for yourself. And I know that Mm -hmm. that could be pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely been, I mean, it's, I think it's something you first learn in hindsight. You look back and you see, and I think it was probably about 10 years in the making before I could look back and start to see. So there was just so much 
fear and uncertainty and grasping and stumbling and flailing that went on for a long time. And then I started to see in looking back how I had been provided for every Mm. step of the way. Um, And that's what started actually then building my confidence. So now I actually do know that I can trust whatever is present, kind of the combination of whatever is showing itself circumstantially that now I would say like, that's just specific, like that's just details. It's whatever the present details are that are causing some tension or discomfort or a longing for support alongside of that will come something that feels alive like and zingy like you said and that's telling me this is this is the support you need for your next step or you're on the right path like um like Luis was a thousand percent you're on the right path by like falling into his orbit and sign and then signing up for his class just knowing I just know I'm supposed to take that class and then taking the class and the very first day of his class I actually went to bed that night after class and I woke up in the middle of the night and my legs hurt Mm -hmm. they hurt my legs were aching so badly they woke it woke me up and Mm -hmm. I knew I had not done anything to my legs like I just knew my legs were waking up like they'd been numb and they were waking me up literally. And I just had this knowing inside, this is trauma. This is, and here's your space. Like this is the provision and the awakening all together. And so that at that point I did just trust it. So like, that's an example of how, like, it's when you just know, and then it's all, it's there for you. The support that you needed is there for you at the same time. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. So it's been a process over time, over time. And then it's like anything, like the more I see it, then the more conscious I am to it. And Mm -hmm. so I'm more, much more in tune in real time with it. Whereas, like I said, the beginning, I wasn't aware. I didn't have that consciousness and I discovered it looking back. Yes. Okay. So it feels like the next thing that I want to ask you is to tell us some of your story and how mm-hmm. you got to be in a class for space holders um, mm-hmm. where trauma comes up. Yeah. So my, the work that I do today, which I am a life coach, I have a certification in divorce and divorce support and post-divorce recovery. And that's, partly just due to my own story of getting divorced after 28 years and just the whole life upheaval and the connections to my own story of trauma and how that impacted like relationships and it really, oh gosh, in just such a in real life, this is what trauma looks like. Yes. <laughs> and then one this is what, yes. And then this is what it looks like when you've 
really built a life out of trauma and trauma relating. And then when you start healing it, you have this kind of rude awakening around the idea that all of your relationships are built on these traumatic threat response, relational patterns and a personality that's so lost in that. And so, yeah, it's really disorienting and messy to start to heal and realize these things aren't going to hold anymore. This, this relationship isn't going to hold anymore if I don't show up this way. So then that's its own conflict in and of itself. So I was married for 28 years. I remember having the first moment where I thought we aren't going to make it. And it was 10 years before we actually called, you know, (laughs) flew the white flag, so to speak, and said, we need to be done and this is over. So that to me is like, that's what a crisis that idea was within the context of Christianity. Divorce is not allowed. It was literally like, there is no way out. We have to make this work. The desperation that that brings up and the temptation then to stay in your relational patterns that were like foundational to the relationship to begin with. Oh my God. So bottom line, we got married when I was 20 years old. We had only been dating for a few months and I got pregnant and I, we just decided to, you know, we decided in the, over the course of about six hours, let's just get married. And so a month later we got married. We were both still in college. We finished college. I became a stay at home mom. And at that point I was so, I was, I felt like such a bad person that Christianity was, that's the appeal. It answered this idea of like, I'm bad and I need to be forgiven and I'm definitely going to hell. Like there was such a present sense of shame and badness and Christianity seemed to offer like the elixir to that. Mm -hmm. So we got deeper and deeper involved in uh, you know, I, and I don't want to throw out the baby with bathwater. Like there's Christianity kind of in the big sense. And then there's the form of Christianity that we were in and very much this answer to fallen nature that somebody that we're inherently bad, that our hearts are deceptively evil and wicked above all things. And this is the answer. And I was so afraid of hell. So I'd like to just help give that context because it's very fear-based just to give that sense of how literally I'm living, like my whole life felt like looking back, it's like my whole life was a threat response. <laughs> it's just yeah. so and afraid. At the time, when you think back to your younger self, did, did you consciously know like that you were living in the threat of and fear or do you think you you learned patterns to numb yourself from seeing it that way or yeah no I did not I didn't I had a consciousness around like I knew I wanted to be a psychology major that's what I was studying in college I wanted to be a psychologist I've always been fascinated by people and humans and myself and I'm always like an observer of and I'm very um curious around human behavior. And like, there's a researcher in me 
Mm -hmm. I'm always kind of in it and outside of it. So I had, that was very much alive, but I was totally, I think, you know, getting pregnant actually saved my life. I was getting more and more destructive in my numbing, trying to escape the human condition, trying to escape Mm -hmm. all of the fear that I was in. So I really look back at that now and think saved my life. Getting mm-hmm. pregnant saved my life because it, I instantly cleaned up, if you want to call it that. Like I stopped all of drinking and um, and I just set out to become, that was my new calling in life was to be a good mother. Yes. Yeah. So over the course of, of the next, you know, f- let's see, 15 years, I gave birth to three children and we adopted four. Okay. And so seven kids over the next 15 years. And I was just completely immersed in this identity of Christian, godly woman who is just this excellent mother and lover of care of souls, you know, and that was just my whole identity. I just kind of got swallowed up in that. And that felt it fed this desire to do it right to be right, to be good. Mm-hmm. So like, that's the track. That's the track I ended up on. <laughs> yes. And then around 38, I know I was around 38 ish. I don't know why I know that, but that's when things were coming to like, like the tension was building on our marriage. And I was very like, not able to ad- let's see, how would you put it? Um, I couldn't lie anymore about how miserable I was. Like it was seeping out here, there and Mm. everywhere coming out sideways. Do you relate? Oh yes. And so (laughs) the places it was showing up was how stressed I was as a mom. And then how, you know, our marriage was, we were having a lot of conflict. So we ended up in a really terrible kind of roundabout shaming way ending up, ended up in marriage counseling, you know, super coercive and not, (laughs) not great, but we ended up there and the guy starts talking about our childhood and, you know, some of my childhood trauma came up, particularly in regards to sexual abuse. And I was like, wait, do you think it's me? Do you think like, this is why we're having such trouble in our marriage? And so like, literally I had like put all of it like in a box hidden away. I don't want to ever talk about that again. Nothing happened. It's fine. And so Mm. that was the first time like that I went to see a therapist to talk about like, oh yeah, I actually had this abuse happen when I was young. Maybe it impacted me. (laughs) Yes. Oh, your trauma came to talk to you. It did. It did like basically this life. And I would say too, like very much in the flight response, just built a completely overwhelming life with seven kids homeschooling. Um, That was my flight response, which I would have never seen it that way, but I built a life that just kept me go, 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 go all the time. Mm -hmm. And then it's falling apart at the seams. So over the next 10 years, that's when I finally kind of dug in and started to do this really take personal responsibility for this is what I'm bringing into the relationship. And that's when I started to see like, Oh, I'm making him the bad guy. Cause that's the role, you know, I'm going to play the victim and the helpless 
damsel in distress and he's supposed to save me and he's not doing it right, you know? And so as I started to really look at my piece of that and heal my piece of that, that's when I started to realize like, oh, I'm going to really turn the ship over if I start relating in a different way, because this is how our ship works. Right. When you get to that impasse where it's like, if I heal anymore, yes, I don't know what's going to happen to us. I, I actually totally do. That's the scary part. You start to see it. You're like, I remember sitting in the garage one night and going, this family is on my shoulders. Like I either play this role and it works or I stop and it doesn't. And there's you know, seven kids involved. You're muted. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, I have a leaf blower outside. Oh, <laughs> okay. So that's the long and the short of it. The 10 years later, the 10 year process of that unfolding and really finding my own ability to show up in a different way and letting the relationship then, letting what happened happen. Mm-hmm. Letting what would happen, happen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Where it's almost like if you're not, if you're owning your end of the contract and no longer propping everything up all around the other sides of it, it becomes up to this other person to um, do their own work, really, and together decide what's next. Right. And that's where, like, this is a total side note because it's a rabbit trail in and of itself. But I, you know, maybe he didn't have any work to do. Like, that's the funny part about it. He was okay. He was fine. Yeah. And so that's where I was like, really harassing him a lot about it. Like, you've got to do your work. You got to do work. But you know what? He didn't. Mm -hmm. I had to admit, this isn't working for me. Right, because it would be nice if they had all this work to do, so it wouldn't all be on you to decide what to do next. <laughs> right, right. It's like, I'm okay. So if you want uh, me to do work and change, I think you've got the problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a, that was a big, really big pill to swallow, to really own, like, I'm the one with the problem. I'm, I'm wanting to say this person has a problem because they're not changing to suit me Mm -hmm. so that I don't have to make a big change. But then you did. I did. I did. (laughs) Yeah. So we ended up deciding to divorce. That's three years ago, right now. Um, This is, we're literally at the turning point right now, three years ago. And what I encountered after that decision was a primal crisis of attachment. Like I, that's where I met this wound roaring at me to, to heal that I didn't even have the awareness three years ago. I did not see that coming. I thought I had done my work and that now we've made the decision to divorce and I was going to be fine. But the physical, the physicality of separating that attachment was profoundly 
um, disorienting. And I felt like there, I felt like it was an absolute free fall. I had nothing and no one to hold on to. And I, it was a total crisis in and of itself that I didn't see coming. So when I landed on the other side and was figuring out my career, because I was a stay-at-home mom for 26 years, which adds this whole financial dependence element. And I learned about divorce coaching. I was like, that is what I needed. But I didn't need somebody to help me with the nuts and bolts. Like, how do you figure out custody? And what do you, what's the legality? I needed somebody who would hold my hand through the process of, of finding your own legs, Mm. finding your own sense of safety and security that it isn't, it isn't in a good financial settlement. Mm. It's not in some written guarantee that your kids are going to be okay. It's not in a career so that you can be certain you're going to make a certain amount of mon- money, you know, per month and that your retirement is going to be okay. It is literally something that a person feels on a moment to moment basis. I feel safe inside of my own body. Mm. And that's what I learned from Louise. So that brings us to our, the intersection mm. of us meeting. Yeah. And when I met him and if that work got introduced, I was like, I will never divorce coach without this again, because to me, it's like all the other details are going to be what they are. Can you feel okay? No matter what. And my answer is yes. Mm -hmm. You can be okay. No matter what I can be okay. No matter what. And that to me, like that is, that's profound. Mm-hmm. It really is. And I'm wondering how many of your clients are going through, a, are, are they, what phase are they in? Are they thinking about divorce? Are they in the middle of it? Is it the post period when they're in that, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. who am I without this contract? Yeah. Um, you know, only about half of my clients are even in divorce because honestly, I, I talk so much. It really, to me is about whatever the crisis point in life is where the floor falls out, where you realize that all of the things that you thought would make you okay. Don't make you okay. (laughs) Yeah. And so since that's really what I talk about all the time, like on Instagram, I get anybody who resonates with that. And that may mean that their marriage is in crisis. It may mean that they are wanting to renegotiate their marriage, which I think is a total possibility for a lot of people. That is what can happen is that you, just like you and I talked about, you can invite somebody into this process of, I'm going to figure out who I am and how I want to be in the world without my trauma responses. And the relationship just gets to evolve and grow and it becomes this beautiful space. Did you ever read a passionate marriage? The book? Not. Okay. Well, he talks about that every single marriage that lasts any length of time faces it like a developmental crisis of this sort. And it'll either end the relationship or on the other side of it, that is where the deepest, most profound <clears throat> relationship lives is on the other side of this crisis. So this crisis isn't something that people run into just because they have a marriage that's trickier than most. 
he says every relationship runs into this crisis and mm-hmm. how we navigate it determines do we move on to the next phase of intimacy or not with that person and is the idea that like uh the pa- the passion phase is like a stimulant that we latch on to and so is there something beyond that um he so he's a relationship and sex um, therapist. Mm-hmm. So he really approaches um, the relationship from the angle. It's fascinating because he approaches it from the angle of differentiation or individuation mm-hmm. as opposed to attachment. So okay. his premise is really along the lines of most relationships have this kind of attachment trauma piece that's happening. And the healing of that is this individuation or this differentiation. And if I can become my own person and you get to become your own person, now the level of intimacy we have gets, um, goes to a whole new level. Yes. As opposed to a lot of therapists. And I love both. Like I love the marrying of both of those things, recognizing the role that secure attachment can, how we can provide this space, this relational space with secure attachment Mm -hmm. to allow each of us to actually develop as individuals. Like I love the interplay, Mm -hmm. but ultimately if I can't hold on to myself, if I'm flailing and reaching to you, that's Uh where we get in, you know, into these attachment traumas Yeah, and how that impacts the relationship. Does that make sense? Yeah. I love that. I, I was thinking about how you had shared, just thinking about the individuation component, how in the, all those years you were a stay-at-home mom, the focus was on being selfless, selfless. Yes. I mean, can you believe that we have upheld this adjective? Like no. what in the world? <laughs> never coach my children now to be selfless. Yes. Yes. But this has been for so long. Like I know rewarded. it's outrageous because, and it's just a word we don't even think about. Oh, it's so selfless. It's so beautiful. And it's like self less. Yeah. (laughs) Like, wow, that's deeply ungrounded. Ah, right. And then the opposite, how selfish it is. Mm-hmm. to take care of yourself, to, mm-hmm. re- to think of yourself. is like so selfish. Yeah. <sighs> it is wild, the reframe. And so it's like this process, and I, I recognize this for myself in my own story too, this process of recentering the self and how yeah. actually in that process, it helps feel more grounded in being relational. It's the irony to me is it's off the charts because in my selfishness, if you want to call it that, Mm -hmm. I now get to love so unselfishly. Like that's the irony of it because I'm not loving you for what you can give to me anymore. Mm -hmm. although there's a component of um admitting like yes there is an exchange that happens in any relationship 
but I'm conscious to it and I'm exchanging freely and willingly and, and I'm not playing games to get something from you. Even if it's love, like I do this and then you love me. No, I'm going to go, this is my need. And would you like to, um, would you like to play a part in meeting it? (laughs) (laughs) That could be fun. (laughs) That could be fun, but I actually love you, even if you don't want to, but I'm actually going to go over here and meet it. The need, because meeting the need is (laughs) non-negotiable. Yay. It's interesting. I wonder if you resonate, like working through these dynamics and we have a, we have, we both have something in the chart, um, that astrology students will recognize, um, is the, we have, the, this is your North node. If you're looking mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. and this is your South node and the nodal axis and charts can speak to like, um, no, um, zones like vortexes of, powerful learning in our life and the first house is this is the first house this is the seventh house the first house and the seventh house speak to that axial balance between me self what i'm doing where i'm going me embodying me where the seventh house is like everything's relational i am only relative to you who am i relative to you who do you think i am who am i in front of you how do I re- rebalance who I am as I am responding to who you are, you know? And so I also have the same nodal setup of like really powerful life learnings kind of constantly perennially around feeling solid in my own selfhood and being able to be clear with what I need and what my boundaries are and like how I can feel thrown out of whack once somebody else is in the room and now I'm dealing with trying to be in my needs opposite somebody else. It's just, and since divorce, this has been just kind of a constant learning zone because the old patterns have had to be rewired, right? Right. Um, Like as with you. And so I feel like through dating and through um, client work, this, those have been my primary spaces of like really recognizing my growth. But I would say the hardest for me is with my children. And I'm curious if you have this yes. too. For sure. If I have, yes, I can just say absolutely yes. The, the parenting thing is like the deepest trauma responses like that would still be present, come up around parenting Mm -hmm. for me and negotiating that space and what I'm responsible for in their experience. That's maybe the best way I could put it. I love that. What you're responsible for in their experience. Mm -hmm. I I need that. Thank you. Well, it, that's the, the scary part is there's no answer, you know? Right. Yeah. Like I would love somebody to give me a checklist and go, this is what you're responsible for. And- Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, that's very alive for me right now. 
is is navigating that um and then you know I have these kids I have kids I have a son who's 14 my youngest and then I have my oldest is 30 and navigating those relationships through divorce and on the other side of divorce when I felt like I let myself I let my kids down and you know hurt them by claiming myself mm-hmm. as, a, as a person and saying you know what about me it was you know what about my life what about my well-being and you know the big wake call for me and when I say this I get such an interesting reaction from people either people nod and they resonate or they look at me and like I can feel there's like almost a repulsion from what I'm about to say, but here it is. I saw where I was headed as a mom and I saw the bill my kids were going to owe me mm, whoa, and yeah. I knew they could never pay it. Mm. This was early on. I saw that was becoming, I could just, it was a seed that was growing inside of me. I sacrificed everything for you. And that was going to be this toxic contract between Mm. us going forward. And I had to choose me, which was going to hurt them in the short term, to release myself from that contract. And so I, I played with it for a long time. I was like, well, maybe I could just stay... And I could figure out how to be happy here. I could figure out how to be okay here because then I wouldn't ever have to like put them through all of that. And so there was a lot of years actually trying to negotiate. How can I get around this? How can I? <laughs> yes. And I think this is where the trauma healing comes in too, is because uh, for many, the short, even that shorter term discomfort is too, feels too intense for the body to hold. Like that's where it's at a thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's like the idea of I'm grasping at someday uncertain to feel okay instead of I feel okay now. That's the only time I'm ever going to feel safe is if it's accessible right now. And if it's not, how can I get somewhere as soon as possible where it's accessible for me to find I'm safe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that's all my kids actually ever need either is that skill right there to mm-hmm. feel safe supported held now mm. what a different way to parent yeah yes it's well and then like the whole transition like that's the other part that's like a comedy of errors because you go from this one total orientation toward parenting and I'm responsible for everything and I'm responsible for your two. I'm going to actually first and foremost, make sure I feel safe. Mm -hmm. And yeah. (laughs) And it's like, you need to be fixing this. And I'm like, uh, Mm-hmm. I can't okay. fix it. Hang out. I'm just not quite safe yet. <laughs> yes. And I actually can't fix that. All I can uh-huh. do is feel safe and help you feel safe. I don't want to feel safe. I want you to fix it. I know. Yeah. I know. You know what, Britain? I am reminded of something. You know, you did, you, you, we did a reading together 
Mm -hmm. I hired you after I met you, I hired you and you did a reading. And I realized when you started referring to my chart, that there's a part of that that I think is, um, refers to the beginning part of our conversation that I want to refer back to. When we spoke, you said something about my Pluto Mm -hmm. and shadow and, um, so you might need to look at my chart now and orient yeah. back to that. But I think that that's what this calling is that I'm speaking of. We started mm. our conversation around, um, I've always been so sweet and so good. Always, you know, and there's something there you said for me around. Yeah. Yes. You have Pluto conjunct the sun. Um, and it's interesting. Honestly, Molly, I often don't speak of someone's Pluto placement, especially in a first reading, because there can be a lot of contraction and intensity and a trauma response can kick in when you tap at Pluto material. I teach a Pluto class and um, I actually have Luis be a guest teacher in it and to talk about trauma healing as it relates to Pluto, because I feel there's so much um, trauma healing in the Pluto realm. Mm -hmm. But because I know that you're trauma informed and that you practice, you have daily practices, like you're in this, like you're, you're not afraid of your Pluto. Okay. Okay. I know this about Molly. I think I can tell her because it could be really helpful. Right. Um, I believe I shared with you probably something about how often when Pluto is at the sun, there can be um, a kind of box around secrets. I don't know, maybe that's how I put it. Okay. A kind of box around secrets or darkness or shame or badness that in order to access that radiance of your sun, the luminosity of yourself, like to really feel in the fullness of how mm-hmm. bright and shiny you are, which as a Leo rising, you would want to do this, right? Because mm-hmm. that's your chart ruler, the sun, that learning how to like say, open that closet or open that box where Pluto's things are, the things mm-hmm. that you're afraid to own in yourself, yes. the things that you're afraid to share with other people, mm-hmm. um, learning how to open it and not just deal with it, but actually fall in love with yourself there and completely reintegrate all of those parts of yourself that you shoved in that those places, to yeah. me feels like part of the whole key to, to radiance. For yes. some, for everyone, but I would yes. say, but definitely for someone with that placement. So does that resonate with what I told you that day? <laughs> and that's my answer. That's what you, that's what you are showing. Oh, me. Okay. <laughs> there is something in you that is evoking something in me that mm. has not been allowed before now to mm. be present. And that's, that's the best I can do to try to explain it, but it is, a, it is that mm-hmm. yeah. there's part of that whole trauma response for me was 
I'm going to call it goodness, not that there is such a thing, but it was my idea of what it meant to be good and all of the parts of me that have been relegated to secrets and the hidden because it wasn't good. And that is the work I'm doing right now, personally, Mm. 100%. (laughs) Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah. um, I'm curious if you can share some of how you care for that 20-year-old who got pregnant. Yeah. You know, I really like that girl. Oh, my God. I love that girl so much. And she was you know, I can see she was playing with her Pluto then Mm -hmm. dangerously in some ways and unconsciously. So, but there was, there was a sensuality to her. There was, I had my own ideas about how the world, you know, about all kinds of things. Like I actually it was, I was beautiful and I was so afraid. And for years and years and years, I hated that girl, like through my whole Christian, like when I entered, I'd look back and I'm like, oh, she was just so lost and she was so fallen. And I had this beautiful experience where, um, yeah, I just had so much judgment over her. Like, why did she, um, allow herself to get pregnant and, why did she um, go into this marriage so like naively? I just judged her. And then one day I had this image of my 50 year old self. This was about a year ago. Putting that 20 year old self with all that was ahead of her, that was going to be so hard in a basket and saying, I'll meet you. I'll meet you on the other side. And that was like this, such this beautiful healing moment of like reconciliation of, I was there, this, it was actually incredibly wise what I did at 20. Marrying my first husband was a brilliant move and it was my best odds. And I intuitively knew that. And I just... I love seeing that intuitive intelligence was always there. Mm -hmm. And now I believe that I have that within this guiding system. So it was just really fun to kind of full circle go. Cause I always would say, Oh, I can't trust myself. I make terrible decisions. And Mm -hmm. now I'm like, uh, that was a brilliant decision. (sighs) So now I feel like in some ways I'm back to 20. Like, that's one of the weird things is that I'm like developmentally not 20, like, um, not like traumatized 20 though, like Mm. securely attached 20, Mm. like my Mm. life is before me. What do I want to do? Um, I have a lot of that energy, actually a lot of very youthful. My life is ahead of me. The world is my oyster now. Um, you've like released, um, that Leo sun, uh, the Leo part of you, the sun part of you, that's like this magical, playful child, um, through healing 
and it actually really through loving that younger yes. self. Yes. Through sure. love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That feels so resonant and true and so um, stunning to witness that possibility that that is that what is before me now is so inviting and enticing. Mm. I'm so, you know, excited for what's ahead. <laughs> and that feels just so good at 50 years old. Like, do you, I know you feel this. I know. I do. do. I do. <laughs> I love the middle age. <laughs> I do too. My daughter yesterday said, happy birth, happy 42. And I said, are you kidding me? I love being 51. Yeah. I would not trade any of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you, I don't know that I told you this in your reading. Tell me if I did. You've been going through <clears throat> the last two years, a, a huge, what we call a return, like a solar mm -hmm. return is your birthday. The sun comes back to itself. It returns. Okay but you've been going through a Chiron return, um, yeah. Chiron, the wounded healer. And the idea is that around age 49, 50, um, whatever Chiron work is left, you know, that like the really important, the really rich, the, the root, I like to go back to this idea of roots, like the root wound, you know? Mm -hmm that that's when the healing is like ripe to come into your life. The teacher's coming in, the book's flowing in, the practices flowing in, the humans are meant to even just have a short conversation with the clients who also heal you. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's the time. Mm -hmm. And it feels like you're just like really been living your Chiron return so splendidly. Mm -hmm. It feels like that for me too. Like I, you'll laugh at this because a lot of the work that we do with Luis is learning to feel safe yes. and to feel safe in success, mm -hmm. to feel safe being loved, to feel safe thriving. And so I find like, I just keep pinching myself that this is my life <laughs> and I have to practice feeling safe in this goodness that I get to do this work and to like open and let myself love it and feel safe is just amazing I like find like the contraction comes around like is this allowed and like waiting for the other shoe to drop or something like that like really yeah. and then I'm like yes it's allowed you get to open, keep opening, keep letting this come to you and be here. And really you modeling that is the healing that you offer, I'm sure in many ways. Um, yeah. That was something that really struck me when I met you is the sincerity and earnestness with which you wanted to learn more tools to support your own body when 
clients are having their experience Mm -hmm. so that you could be with them however they are Mm -hmm. that day Mm -hmm. and your own trauma is just uh you're you're holding yourself you know yes absolutely yeah well for those of us who the trauma bond is like oh is there another way (laughs) I was like the fact that I could come into the space of Luis and learn how not to trauma bond with my clients Mm -hmm. so that they could be supported in a very clean container, not transferring. Sure. I'm a great person, but you're going to transfer your anxiety wounds to me. Like, no, we want this space to actually be a healing space for you to discover your own intelligence and innate power to support yourself. And so understanding that, that, that means I need to be in that space myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's really what I do. Um, continue to learn from Luis is how to be safe in my own body, my own experience so that I'm not mirroring when I'm, when I'm with a client, I'm not getting, you know, I'm not getting pulled into their trauma. I'm actually a safe grounded space for them to find their, their own footing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's what they need is their own footing. So it's pretty awesome. I it is, And it's really just like, can you think of anything more loving to do for your clients? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. just learning how to resource yourself more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, I go back to that self other balance. Um, well, and this is what it ultimately comes down to with our kids. Like I've taken so much from that application of like, it's the same idea with my kids. Of I don't want my kids to um, to love me because I'm saving them. Right. I don't want to feel important because my kids um, need me. Mm-hmm. And so, like disconnecting that is why it's so uncomfortable is because that means that they may reach out and they want me to save them. And I could get an ego boost by saving them. Mm-hmm. And then we, Oh, we feel so good. Mm-hmm. And instead of going, Oh my gosh, I have to help myself feel grounded and safe when my child is uncomfortable so that my child can learn that this isn't an outside job for them either. Yes, exactly. I know. Goodness. My, my 15 year old said, um, I think it was last year she got in the car and I wanted her to tell me about her day. And she was like, I'm really tired. I'd rather not. And I gave it like five seconds. And then it was like, don't you think you could tell me about like, I needed her. No. Yes. She's like, can you not just be comfortable sitting there and let me have my own space? And it was like, whoa, my daughter is giving me boundaries. Like, 
go, go. Like that is amazing because I would have been afraid to state my needs, um, like that. And, um, I, I hope I like to believe that in modeling in different areas, what it means to just say, this is what I need right now, that that's transferred because then, yes, there are other times when you're not supplying the dose of the kind of love that they used to get. And it can feel really uncomfortable letting them just sit with that. So Mm -hmm. uncomfortable your example is so profound too, because how I used to think was, if you're not telling me about your day, then we're not close. Yeah. So the contract I'm teaching them is in order to feel, in order for me to feel like a good mother, you have to tell me about your day. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I was doing. I wanted to feel close to her through her unloading onto me. Yes. Yes. And she's like, I don't have to do that, actually. I'm not going to do that. And so perfectly satisfied with our contract. Yes. Oh, my God. That's so good. So, yeah. No, that's that's a thousand percent. When I encounter that with my kids, I'll come up against these like, yeah, this bump. And I realize like, oh, I want this reaction from you so that I feel like a good mother. Uh huh. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so redefining that for me is I feel like a really good mother when I let my kids have their own experience now. Yes. Yeah. So it's like redefining or I feel like a good mother when I resource myself in some way and fight that insidious voice that says it's selfish. And I go, no, I'm a good mother. I'm showing my, I'm showing my daughters they are people and they have needs and that is what they will take forward going in, you know, when they're adult mothers is they will see that they are a person with needs instead of handing them the legacy that the mom doesn't have any needs. The mom doesn't count. <laughs> they're selfless. They have no they're self. selfless. That's right. That's the highest ideal that and being nice. Right. Aww. Those are the most important qualities for any woman. <laughs> to embody Mm. at all times. (laughs) I know. I feel like, um, nice and, um, selfless are sort of like cousins to the good girl, you know, they're all part of that same realm. And I definitely think of myself as a recovering good girl. (laughs) Well, you've come a long ways. (laughs) (laughs) I bow to your, um, whole process Wally your story is beautiful and you're so inspiring Mm, thank you Britton well how can people reach you do you are you taking new clients um what is the best way for people to be connected into your world yes I am on Instagram at Molly Blue Wilder and so that's the best place to follow me I have a newsletter I have, I do a free online group coaching space once a week right now. So that's kind of a fun way to like come into my space. Um, I have some group programs in my future, but this is how I'm teaching my body. She's safe with lots of faces. Cause I, I love the one-on-one container that's super organic and natural for me, but I, I do have ideas that I would like to work in some groups. And so right now I'm just, that's giving me a chance to play in that space 
Mm-hmm. And I am taking one-on-one clients. Let's see. Oh, and I am doing, I am also playing with the podcast. Oh, how exciting. Yes. So I have, I, again, I'm giving myself just loads and loads of permission to play and learn. And um, so it's very, very early and very messy. And that's like one of my specialties is giving myself permission now to let myself be a beginner, to let myself be messy and learn while doing. So I do, I have a little podcast. I have about 11 or 12 episodes. Love it. If you ever have guests, I hope you will ask me to come on the show. I totally will. I was daydreaming about it just today. I'm like, oh, I'm going to have Britain on my podcast someday. (laughs) I definitely recommend um, podcasting wise that permission because how how is one supposed to know what the podcast wants to be the format the style and and as if it's going to a certain form that it even has to stay in you know um you don't need to have all these decisions made um it's most just like do I understand I think what the spirit of this thing is okay then just start playing (laughs) right no that's where I i I used to play radio show when I was a kid, like I would record episodes on a cassette. So, and I, I, it just feels like a really natural extension if I'm willing to be awkward and a beginner at it. Yes. That's it. Like, (laughs) so that's the permission slip I've given myself is just go ahead and do it and be awkward and not know what you're doing because you haven't ever done it before. Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to know? How are you supposed right. to know? So those are thank the ways. You. I will put all the links in the show notes. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's thank a you. really fun thank conversation. You. Thanks for having me, Britton. I adore you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Molly. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for dropping all that wisdom, all that Libran wisdom. Listeners, if you were vibing with Molly, if you're loving learning with Molly, please go to the links that I'll provide for you to connect with Molly Blue Wilder in her spaces. Yes, thank you, thank you. From my world, I am cooking up a autumn-based offering that I will be announcing very soon. It's a composted and reborn version of my Pluto class from last year. It is very specifically being created for folks who desire greeting themselves where fear meets desire, where endings meet beginnings, 
in the cracks, in the caves, in the liminal spaces, where we transform, where we peel back the old skin and slither forward, bigger, shinier, stronger. It is going to be an offering that is a mix of my teachings on the fall archetypes, the underworld archetypes, specifically Scorpio, Pluto, Mars and Scorpio, the eighth house, the underworld journeys of mythology that are cooked into our understanding of these archetypes. And I'm curating a menu of offerings from people that I love who really work in this zone and are going to be crafting tools, exercises, meditations, and rituals for you to practice what you learn with me. So stay attuned. If you are calling in more comfort with knowing your power at these death thresholds. This is not a divorce pushing space, though maybe some of you are going through an initiation that is divorce. This is really for anyone who feels ready to go in here a little bit. It will be gentle if you're new. And I look forward to sharing more about it. I'm cooking it up for you. Stay tuned for Scorpio season. Wishing everyone a beautiful Libra. I've got more episodes coming up. Excited to be back in Moon to Moon. Super refreshed after a few weeks off of just marinating in Astrology as Praxis, which is now landed It's such a home I've always dreamed of. It's just bliss. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) it's so wonderful. Um, Just been really sitting back and enjoying this soft and spacious realm that Jonathan and I created together and listening for what wants to move through me next, which is this underworld offering. So stay tuned. More soon. Wishing you a beautiful season.